1 Corinthians 12.28 mentions a gift called helps. What is this gift, and how important is it for the growth of the apostolic church today? Are you ready to face the truth? Face the Truth is the weekly podcast from the Truth Church of Olathe, Kansas, with our pastor and Bible teacher, Bishop Gregory Riggin. Thank you to everyone who is listening. I trust that today's episode will be a blessing to all those who tune in. The ministry of helps is not a commonly sought-after role. However, many great men of God are successful because someone is willing to be comfortable in their role of helps. In Acts chapter 6, seven men of honest report, full of faith, and Holy Ghost anointed began serving in the ministry of helps. As a result, the number of disciples expanded, and the word of God increased in their field of labor. Not only was Stephen named, but the remaining six men were named in Scripture. They did not seek recognition, but their efforts were rewarding and noteworthy as the church began to grow, all because men were willing to assist the ministry. It was Stephen, the first Christian martyr, whom the Bible specifically calls out as being very effective in ministering to the needs of the people. In Acts chapter 6, verse 8, it says this, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. We must never undervalue the significance of the work completed by the ministry of helps. This is a position that is vital and matters, regardless of how unimportant it may seem. We will now join the conversation as Bishop Riggin and our guest, Brother Joey Waldrop, talk about the ministry of helps. One thing that kind of stands out to me is that within this fivefold ministry, many times one individual can fulfill more than one of those roles of ministry. I know that for me personally, I've got a unique story. I won't go into that. Today's podcast is about you. But I know that when I felt my call to preach as a young boy, I felt like God made it very clear to me that my role would be as a pastor. And that's really all I've done. When I graduated from college, I spent two years in Christian education, and then at the age of 24 became a pastor. And I've been a pastor ever since, 62 now. So I've been pastoring for almost 40 years. But during that time, there have been other roles that I've had to fill. With a missionary, I know the word missionary doesn't appear in the fivefold I think a lot of men feel like in a general sense, that's somewhat what an apostle would mm-hmm. be, is a man sent. The word apostle right. is one who is sent yes. with a purpose. He's given special grace to go in and pioneer a work. And I know that God allowed me to go in and get a great work going mm-hmm. in Africa. Thank God for the man who's there now, Brother Stewart's doing a tremendous job. But there was a window of time when I had to fill both of those roles in my own life. And God gave me the grace to do it. And I had men telling me, putting a lot of pressure on me, you can't keep doing both things. You can't keep doing both things. Interestingly, during that struggle within my own mind, because these are men that I respected and still respect, 
they were looking at it just from a logical standpoint. And logically, I couldn't fill both roles at the same time and do them both effectively. But during that time, I had a man contact me and he said, I had a dream about you. And I don't even know what it means, but he said, there were two loads that you were carrying. And he said, you kept struggling in your mind. How can I carry both of these? But God gave you the strength. And every time you would think about laying one down, you realized, I can't do that. And he said, I don't even know what that means. Well, I knew full well what it meant. Absolutely. And and understood what was going on because I was in that moment where I was trying to figure out what am I supposed to give up at this point? But God was giving me the grace to do both things at that time. So I understand exactly what you're saying. It's great things there. It's something else that I think no doubt helped you in this role as an evangelist. You didn't really address this, but you were raised in a preacher's home. Now, uniquely, if I understand correctly, though your dad was a pastor, he was never your pastor. Right, right. Is that, that the case? Why don't you talk about that for just a minute? Yeah, so growing up, I grew up in a good church, conservative church, um, not necessarily what I would call now an apostolic church and what apostolic means to me now right. as far as the spirit of the church and prayer and worship and I guess the apostolic dynamic, if I could use that phraseology, but a, but a solid church, pastor with good convictions and stood on his convictions. My dad was always the assistant. Mom and dad worked full-time jobs. Dad was the Sunday school superintendent. My mom was a church organist and mission secretary. The only time I ever heard my dad preach was when he was filling the pulpit when the pastor was out of town, which was very seldom. And so growing up, I only remember really not even a handful of times hearing my dad preach. He was just always there on the platform, leading the service, promoting programs, just really the pastor's right-hand man. That was dad's role he was really helps he had a call to preach yes yes. had ministerial license in his pocket had bible college education but had pastored a church very early on for a couple of years and then from that stepped into the role of an assistant pastor working a job helping the local church and all of my growing up from the time i was probably six months old Till I graduated high school, that was my dad's role, and so he's he's exhibit A for someone that is content within their calling. He never pursued other things, never felt slighted, was just content within his calling. And then when I graduated high school, the job that my dad was working offered him a position in another city, a few hours away. And so they felt it was the thing to do. He took that job. The church that was in that city had an elderly pastor. Dad, again, stepped in and started helping like he'd always had. And then eventually, dad became pastor of that church. The pastor retired. Dad became pastor. And so, again, my dad was a preacher. I was raised in a preacher's home because my dad's a preacher, but my dad worked a job. Right. My dad ran a bread route and my mom worked at a bank. And so the spirit of our home, although my dad had a call to the ministry, our home wasn't necessarily about ministry. 
And so sure. I was raised in a preacher's home because my dad's a preacher, but it wasn't your full-time ministry right. as a father. Right, right. And so, yeah, my dad's a preacher and became a pastor and pastored for 15 years, but was never my pastor. Right. Now, your father-in-law was a pastor, right? Yes, sir. Uh, my father-in-law was a home missionary when my wife was, I believe, going into high school. They moved to a town about an hour from where they were going to church and where my father-in-law and mother-in-law got converted, where my wife received the Holy Ghost to start a church. And so he pastored for 26, 27 years. Mm-hmm. And so my wife was raised. Right more in in the preacher's home, especially during what I would call her formative years. She was in the ninth grade when her dad moved, my father-in-law moved uh, to where he pastored. So, yeah, she has a little bit more experience as far as being raised more in not just a preacher's home, but a pastor's home. Yes. So, yeah. And, And now you've got a son that's preaching. Yes, sir. He's, he's very involved in the work of God there in Tulsa. Right now, he's content. Really, he's got a call to preach and does preach, but he's fulfilling the role more of helps right now. Sure. Him and his wife are teaching a Sunday school class. He preaches chapel services, helps lead the service occasionally. He's one of the worship leaders there at Tulsa Lighthouse Church. And so, quite an interesting story. This might help someone. My grandfather was a preacher. My dad recognized his call to preach when he was probably 16 years of age. I first felt the call to preach when I was probably 15, and it kind of got put on the back burner for a few years, and I really recognized my call and really began to pursue it when I was probably 18 years old. And so anyone that knew the history of our family, my grandfather and my father and me, my father-in-law, so both of Jonathan's grandfathers were preachers. His dad's a preacher. His great-grandfather's a preacher. And so everybody just assumed it's not if, it's just when. And so they would ask Jonathan, well, when are you going to start preaching? Well, that put some unnecessary pressure on my son sure, because it's like, okay, well, I'm supposed to be a preacher because... I come from a lineage of preachers, my great-grandfather, both of my grandfathers, my dad. And so consequently, because of the pressure and wanting to make sure, okay, is this the call of God or is this just what's expected of me? It wasn't until he was in his mid-20s. He's only really recognized his call to the ministry even after he got married. Mm. When, when he said, I do, and became a married man, he had not acknowledged his call to the ministry. But it was after he got married, and he kept feeling these things and kept giving himself more to them and seeking godly counsel. He, he came to terms with, okay, this is God, and God does have a place for me in the ministry. Yes. And... Whatever that means going forward, that's that's up to God. And I know my son well enough. Um, he's grounded enough, and he's submitted enough to spiritual authority in his life. If he serves all his ministry, 
within the local church. If that's his place in the kingdom, he's he's content with that. Right. And so again, it's just another plug for of avoiding frustration in the ministry yes. is knowing your place. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. The helps ministry is not a secondary call. No. Some of the most dynamic ministries, we could start naming names here of men that are icons in the apostolic movement. A lot of their effectiveness has a lot to do with the helps that God has placed all around them to facilitate their vision and to help them accomplish the goal and see the vision fulfilled that God gave them. Yes. Case in point, Bishop Howard in Tulsa. For years, the helps ministry has been vibrant in Tulsa. Yes. And you 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 look at the church in Tulsa and there's a lot of churches and a lot of men and understandably so, they look to that to Tulsa as, you know, Exhibit A, this is what we're looking for. This is the kind of church we want to be. Balanced, evangelistic, apostolic, conservative, other, you know, missionaries being launched out of the church, other churches being birthed out of that church. And 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 a lot of where those other ministries started, those ministries were initially birthed as helps. Yes. Missionary Jesse Stewart. Yes. Was was in the helps ministry right. for years, right? Um, Brother Short, now who is pastoring Tulsa Lighthouse Church, his first official, I guess, designation in Tulsa was youth pastor. He was a very effective as a youth pastor, and then God called him to the missions field, and then back to Tulsa as administrative assistant. Had a very effective ministry, but. For years of his, right. as God was preparing him, again, God using where he was at at that moment to prepare him for what's next. Yes. It was in the helps ministry. Right, right. And so a lot of the iconic apostolic churches are iconic apostolic churches because there is a vibrant uh, helps ministry. Absolutely. Within that local congregation. Yeah. And and it's interesting that you would bring this up because you have no idea that I just had this conversation with someone within the last 24 hours about this very same thing. And they were expressing to me how that they have felt frustrated because they just weren't sure what was going on. They'd had men expressed to them that they were called to preach. They've had men expressed to them that they weren't called to preach. Um, and my response was, I'm just going to tell you what, what I feel. And I feel like there is a call to this office of helps. And if you don't recognize that office, if you don't recognize that role, you're going to spend your whole life absolutely frustrated. I told this individual the story of a man that I know, good man. In fact, he's the same man who called me with the dream when I was going through this situation. God's used him mightily in dreams. I, I've got a number of his dreams written down, stored electronically, the times that God's spoken to him directly for my life. The man tried pastoring, 
in fact, if I'm not mistaken, he tried pastoring on more than one occasion and just never was successful at it until one night God gave him a dream. Basically, he was in a fighter jet and God showed him he was the co-pilot mm-hmm. and someone else was, was to get in that plane and fly it. And from that time, it's now been probably a couple of decades that he has been helping another pastor and he is as fulfilled Absolutely. and happy as he could ever be. Absolutely. Because that's where God's grace is for him mm-hmm. to find that role. Unfortunately, we do promote this fivefold ministry to the point that we often neglect this gift. That's what the Bible mm-hmm. calls it. But the Bible calls the fivefold ministry a gift. Right. But we often neglect this gift called helps. I've got a long history with Bishop Johnson and the church in Colorado Springs. And I can tell you the same thing is true right there. Right. With individuals who have filled that role, one individual in particular that comes to mind that, and again, he left for a period of time and, and pastored. But he is so fulfilled Exactly. Being in that role of helps and assisting that pastor. And he's done a tremendous job. A great percentage of that church is in the church today because this man either taught them a Bible study or brought them through new converts classes, helped to establish them, helped to ground them, And the church is what it is because a man found his place and filled it. Without question. So I appreciate you mentioning that. It is an important thing that I don't think gets enough discussion in the apostolic church. In fact, I've taught a lesson on it. Uh, We do a hopefully monthly class there's been some months that i haven't been able to do it but we try to do a once a month class that i call ministers and more m&m for short where i take our local ministers but i've opened it to people beyond just the ministry not just anybody but people beyond the five-fold ministry or those who feel a call to the five-fold ministry and i've taught lessons there on this gift of helps to try to let them know that there are some of you that may never be an evangelist, you may never be a pastor, you may never be a missionary, but your role may be in this office of helps. And if you can find that and you can live that to the fullest and and make use of the grace God gives you, that is not a minor thing. That's, that is such a vital part of the church body. You know, and again, that very term body says to us, there are organs, you can live without your spleen, can't live without your heart. Right. You can make it on one lung, but you can't make it with none. Right. But even if you've only got one, life's going to be more difficult. You're going to have to work harder at things. There are things you may never be able to do if you've only got one lung. God made this analogy of a body. And I heard Bishop Dudley teach on this. He brought it out, and I agree that when you read where Paul talks about a body, 
he is never in any of those cases talking about the body of Christ worldwide. He is always referring to the local assembly in the terms of a body. And so each, each local assembly is a body, and therefore each local assembly has these members in particular. Mm-hmm. And one of those members, one of those vital organs that's necessary for the church to continue to thrive, to grow, to be what it needs to be, I believe is this role, this office, this gift called helps. I just think that we need a greater focus on that. And we need more people to understand how necessary that role is and allow people to fill that role and accept the grace that God gives them to perform the duties of that role. Without question, again, the the role that I'm fulfilling or the grace that God gives me, obviously, as an evangelist, and being afforded the opportunity to fulfill the role of an evangelist in various churches. I witness firsthand the value of what we're talking about. There's a, there's a situation that comes to my mind, the situation I'm very familiar with, someone that was far more effective in what we would call helps ministries than in the fivefold ministry. And when trying to fulfill a responsibility within the fivefold ministry, when when he would do more helps ministry type things, that's where he found his fulfillment. And when he got outside of that function is when he found himself the most frustrated. Yes. And I, I think, again, unfortunately, pride gets involved yes. and we think that, okay, if I don't have a pulpit ministry, I'm somehow fulfilling less responsibility or have a lesser position. I remember a season of life as an evangelist where I, I thought that that God might be transitioning me into the role of a pastor, and I I was feeling a burden for church in a smaller town, and I had in my mind at that that time that somehow that would be a a lesser responsibility because it's not a metropolitan area. There's not people everywhere. It's not a big city, and and so I I, I struggled with that, and 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 called my pastor, and he said. I'm not telling you it is or isn't the will of God for you to go and pastor in that small town. But what I am telling you is that there's no better place to be than in the will of God. Right. If that's the will of God for you, you don't want anything else. If it's not the will of God for you, you don't want it. And it's not that God puts his favorite, quote unquote, air quotes here, preachers in big cities and is less favored or less qualified or less effective in, in other places no. that that's not the case no. the case is god has a place for someone to serve him and it's not our job to decide where i'm going to serve god it's my responsibility to find that place and be content in that place yes. maybe take a little bit of more of a poetic license here with what paul said but whatever state i'm in therewith to be content right Obviously, he ha- he was an apostle. He was a missionary. 
He was an evangelist. He was yes. a prophet. Yes. If anybody ever fulfilled all five roles, yes. Apostle Paul certainly did. Absolutely. But but there were times in his life where some of some of those roles were God pushed pause on that. And he he found himself in places that were less desirable. Exactly. But this is part of the unfolding of my life and I'm not enjoying where I'm at physically, but God has a role for this in yes. my life, and God is using this to help. Right. And yeah. so it's very important, again, you find your place and you be content and do your best in it. And if God has something else for you, it's God's kingdom. Yes. He wants what's best for his kingdom. Absolutely. And so when you want what's best for God's kingdom and God wants what's best for his kingdom, God will place you where you're the most beneficial right absolutely right which kind of brings me back to something that a term that you used earlier as you were going through your life experience that kind of stood out to me and that was you mentioned someone introducing an evangelist as the quintessential evangelist what i want to just touch on there is that i understand i guess what the man meant by that because we have this mental picture of what an evangelist is but the fact of the matter is god calls everybody to be an individual and to be who they are and so i don't know that there really is a quintessential anything right everybody is so different and they're their ministry is so different. And I do think, again, part of the frustration that some people feel is when they try to be like the quote-unquote quintessential whatever. Mm -hmm. They feel like, I've got to fit that mold. Last year, we had Brother Joe Savala here preaching a revival for us. He was anything but quintessential. <laughs> Very unique in everything he did. I've never experienced any revival like that one where he could be preaching along and then just he'd be out in the crowd and just stop and strike up a conversation with a visitor and just start talking to him. You know, there's no preaching going on. There's no getting red in the face. There's no lifting his voice. He's just having a conversation with this guest sitting in the pew. But when he would get through People would run to the altar. It was just, it was the most unique thing I'd ever seen. And he was so highly effective. Our church at the moment that he came, we had been through a very lengthy, I don't even know how to describe it, but dry spell, I guess, is the nice way to say it. We'd come through some very, very difficult situations we'd had to face that almost destroyed the church, honestly. It just almost tore the church apart. And it just seemed like it had knocked the wind out of everybody's sails. And I don't care what I did. I honestly, I went on the longest fast I've ever been on in my life. I prayed. I did everything I knew to do and just could not seem to get us out of that whatever it was, pit of despondency, that, that, that place where we were. And it was another one of those times when I walked into the office, I felt like God told me, call Joe Savala. I'd never had the man preach for me. In fact, you're familiar with the forum that 
is out there. And there were times Brother Savala and I kind of went at it. And mm-hmm. and quite honestly, I don't think either of us had a very good opinion of the other one. <laughs> um, just because of some interactions that we right. had. Differences of opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Just differences of opinion. And I felt very strongly that morning contacting. And so I reached out to him. He said, well, brother, all I've got is one Sunday that I could swing by there. That's all I have. And I said, well, let's do it. If, if it's worth it to you to make that swing through here, let's just do it because I felt it very strongly. Well, he came that Sunday, and, and we both knew God was doing something in this. And he ended up canceling other meetings that he had and stayed with us for months and brought such healing to the church that just got us back on our proper footing. And I know now what you see in our church, and you preached a revival for us some 18 years ago, what you saw then and what you see now is not where we were a year ago. I'm telling you that to get just normal worship in a service, it was like pulling teeth. It was extremely difficult. There was no move of God going on. There was no faith in our people. It was, it was a different church a year ago because of what had happened and, and just people allowing that to just drag them down. But Brother Savala, during that time, just God used him. As I said, very unique. Not anything anyone could call quintessential. But what we needed at that moment. Now, what we need right now, we've, we've had that. He brought us to that point. We've seen some things happen. We've seen a few folks added to the church. We've had some great things take place. And I believe on that foundation that he built a year ago. But now we're ready to move further. Right. And looking at the ministry of the other man who was scheduled to come, he's a great man. We've had great results with him before. But I can see where it was the hand of God with you, with your particular ministry. So I guess what I'm saying is, thank God you're not quintessential. Thank (laughs) God that you follow the uniqueness of the way God has developed you and your ministry because what you're delivering right now is exactly what the truth church needs at this time Mm -hmm. to carry us into this next phase, this next level, if you please, of the revival that God has promised us. It's here. You can feel it. You know it's happening. It's taking place. But again, it's because you're not trying to fit into a mold of what a quote-unquote evangelist should be. And instead, you're just following the grace God gives you and saying the things that God puts within your heart and your spirit. And so I, I wanted to address that whole idea of a quintessential evangelist and just again encourage our listeners that not even necessarily for a minister but for anybody you don't have to fit a mold of what others are in fact the apostle paul said when we start comparing ourselves among ourselves we're not wise we have one to compare ourselves with and that's jesus christ and when it comes to that comparison every one of us are lacking mm-hmm. And we've got areas to work on to become more like what he is. Thank you, Bishop Riggin and Brother Waldrop, for discussing a vital role for the church. We all need to be sensitive to our role within the church. 
God has called us all to know our part so the church can grow and be vibrant. We invite you to join us on the next episode of Face the Truth. Thank you to everyone who has joined us for today's podcast. We want you to know that we are here to help you in any way we can. If there is anything we can do for you, please don't hesitate to contact us. Send your prayer request to prayer at olathetruth.com. That's prayer at olathetruth.com. If you live in the Kansas City metropolitan area, we invite you to join us for our services this week. Sunday morning at 10, Sunday evening at 6, and Tuesday evening at 7.30. For those who cannot attend, we will provide a live stream on our Facebook page, our YouTube page, and our website, olathetruth.com live. Until our next podcast, take care and God bless.